Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of God's gift of grace. Christians are to know grace is opposed to law. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, John 1.17. We are to know the grace of God is sufficient for all things. We are to speak with grace. We are to be strong in grace. We are to grow in grace. We are to commend men and women to God's grace. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Pastor Xavier says it's not just that God's inexhaustible grace is sufficient for all things, but His grace is also the cause for glory due His name. And as we conclude our Simple Truths verse-by-verse study of Paul's epistle to Philemon today, we'll find encouragement for our service to the body of Christ. Let's listen. The message is entitled, Paul's Loving Goodbye. The letter to Philemon has yielded to us great riches in Christ. As Paul the Apostle has made a very loving and passionate plea by interceding for Onesimus, the runaway slave, to his master Philemon. Paul has mentioned six persons in the epistle already. Himself, Timothy, Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and Onesimus. He will mention five more now at the close of the letter. Where we have the personal closing farewell of Paul's friends along with his own. Let me read it here, verse 23 through 25. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Archippus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This uh, closing farewell of Paul's friends along with his own is evident, first of all, by the greeting from Paul's cell companion, verse 23. Secondly, the greeting from Paul's co-workers, verse 24. And then thirdly, the benediction from Paul to Philemon in verse 25. The greeting from Paul's cell companion, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, greets you. Epaphras was um, in Rome in the cell along with Paul, as we have seen through the letter. His name means lovely. He had come to Rome to inform Paul of the false teaching at Colossae. Colossians 1.7 tells us, and he would return to Colossae with the epistle to be read to the whole church so that they could stand fast in the word of God. Epaphras was the pastor of Colossae, we believe, Colossians 1.7. As he came, he came to Rome again to tell Paul and to get his advice. Now, Epaphras is called by Paul, notice, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. And he was a captive with Paul, a fellow prisoner, but only by voluntary choice because of his love for the church as he was there to confront the false teaching through the counsel of Paul. Now, notice, 
the greeting of Paul's co-workers are next in verse 24. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. Uh, the four names that follow are men that also sent their greetings to Philemon. The four men are, are grouped together under the descriptive phrase, fellow laborers. Uh, the phrase, again, is made up of two words. Again, the word son, which means with or to accompany. And the word argon, meaning to work, employment, or business. These men were those who were laboring with Paul. They were with Paul at Rome at the present time, and they were doing for Paul what he could not do, being confined, such as Tychicus delivering the epistle to Colossae and to Philemon. These men were yielding to Jesus that he might work through them. And it's always exciting to see what God does through the church. People that want to be used of God, they just make themselves available. They were servants of the king, working in the kingdom of God, Colossians 4.11 said. They were workers of the gospel, 1 Thessalonians 3.2 says, and they were in submission to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the word of God, 3 John 8 says. The body of the church is so diverse. We have different gifts. We have different callings. And they're so diverse. As your members of the body, God puts his church together. Every member doing its part. Please don't think you're serving them by coming to church. <laughs> That's not service. That's obedience for your growth, development, and maturity. But if you just eat, 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 and don't have any physical exercise, you become obese. You need food, and you need exercise so you can be healthy in the Lord. No different. He looks to our attitude, whether it is unto the Lord. Ephesians 6, 7, what we do, we do as unto the Lord. Not for people. Not for anyone. Our personalities are so different. But um, by the grace of God, we can grow, develop, and mature in Christ. And then we can um, put on the mind of Christ and uh, empty ourselves of our pride as he emptied himself of his glory and become servants servants of the Lord and servants to each other. And that's the reason God has so highly exalted him that he's given him a name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Now, if he being God didn't think it demeaning to leave his throne to disrobe himself from his glory, to take on a human body, to allow men to insult him, to mock him, to blaspheme him, to beat him, to scourge him, to spit at him, to crucify him, 
and to wash the feet of the one who is going to betray him. Who am I that I can't wash feet? You understand? The greeting of Paul's co-workers, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, were sending their loving greetings. Notice thirdly here, the benediction of Paul to Philemon, verse 25. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The apostle Paul desired for grace to be the sphere of Philemon's life as well as his family here. Uh, Paul uses the word grace throughout his epistles, as you know. He uses the word which means charis. It's common Greek greeting, having the idea of beauty and favor appearing about 156 times in the New Testament. Uh, Paul begins his epistles with grace, and he finishes them with grace, all of them, and a whole bunch in between, but he begins and he ends with them, and Philemon is no different. He opens up in verse 3 with grace, and he finishes with grace in verse 25. Let that be a lesson. You begin with grace your life in Christ, and you finish with grace. And between grace and grace, you've got a whole bunch more grace. You understand? You never do anything apart from grace. If you do, you're going to eat it big time. We are to understand that grace is immutable as an attribute of God. It does not increase. It does not decrease. If you go down to the Pacific Ocean and you take a five-gallon bucket and take five gallons of salt water, you just diminish the Pacific Ocean by five gallons. If you take all the sins from the beginning of time to the present day, all those sins have not affected the grace of God one iota. It's immutable. It doesn't increase. It doesn't decrease. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. To save the wretch like me. Hmm. Grace is sufficient from salvation to glorification. It is inexhaustible as a supply of God, which Philemon would need to draw from to reconcile himself to Onesimus and Onesimus to himself. You understand? Paul reminds Philemon that Jesus is the channel of God for grace. The plural pronoun our identifies both of them as one with Christ. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundantly with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 1.14 says. It's in him and through him. The plural pronoun our again also identifies their personal relationship to Jesus. No one can be saved for you. Nobody can tell you what it is to be saved. You can't experience it that way. You have to make Jesus your own. God doesn't save in family packages. Paul identified himself as one under authority, notice, along with Philemon. The title Lord, Kurios, is one of honor. The title means master or owner. The one saying it would be the possession of the, that particular master. 749 times that title appears in the New Testament. And so Paul identifies the Lord Jesus Christ here. He's the one who's the master. He's the one who calls the shots. 
the interesting thing is that in the epistle to the Colossians, some commentators do not accept the phrase Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1, verse 2, because it's not found in some manuscripts. Yet Paul wrote the epistle to the Colossians as well as this one, but they accept this one but not the other one. Pretty dumb to me. (laughs) They're from the same pen. They're written at the same time. Jesus in his earthly name emphasizes his humanity, Jesus. As you know, it is a Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua. And Joshua is a contraction of Jehovah Shua or Yahweh Shua, which means Jehovah's salvation. So the name Jesus means Yahweh is salvation. In fact, the angel Gabriel said to Mary, his name shall be called Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins, Matthew 1, 21. Emmanuel, God with us. Christ is another title like Kurios, Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah. Emphasizing deity, he was the God-man and still is, and he's Lord and Master. Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul wanted the Colossians to comprehend from the very beginning when he wrote to them that there was no other Messiah that anyone was waiting for to come that could complete their salvation. Philemon lives in Colossae. He would read that epistle. But here again, he mentions the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's very personal to him. Paul wanted the Colossians to know more fully the nature and experience of God's peace and that relationship which the false teachers were saying cannot be found in Christ. Now, Paul is not contradicting himself between Philemon and Colossians when both the person of God and It says, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are said to be the fountain of grace and peace in the epistle to the Colossians. Both persons are the expression of deity, the first two persons of the Trinity, God the Father and God the Son. God the Father is the source of all things. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, is the channel, giving all things. And the third person of the Holy Spirit is the agent to impart all things. The source, the channel, and the agent. The first, second, and third person of the Trinity. All are God. All are all present. All are all knowing. All are all wise. Jesus limited himself for a set time to become man. He could become less than God, but he couldn't be more than God because he is God. So he emptied himself. Now, notice the Apostle Paul describes the appropriation of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ he desired for Philemon to experience. Be with your spirit. Amen. The Bible teaches that man is an inferior trinity. The body, Greek word soma, the physical, the material being, 
The soul suki, comprising the intellect, the emotions, and the will. And the spirit pneuma, the real person that is created in the image and likeness of God, to be in communion with God. The word can mean breath or wind, like the Hebrew word ruach. The context will determine which one it is. When it is used with a capital S, of course, it is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The body is amoral. In other words, it's neither good nor bad in itself. It's like a glove. A glove is amoral. It's the hand that gets in it that is responsible for what that glove does. My body is just a shell. It is given to man to communicate his person, express his desires to others here on earth. It is only for the earth. You cannot go underwater with it without tanks. You cannot go up in space with it without a suit. <laughs> it's only good for here. The soul is fallen and tainted by sin nature. Our intellect is an enemy against God, Romans 8, 7 says. Our emotions are self-centered, selfish, self-seeking. So we are prone to use our emotions to get our way. And we manipulate people to also get our way. This is our fallen nature. Women are the most abused in this area by men due to being more emotional in their makeup. Men are more linear in their thinking. Women make decisions more by emotions. The spirits of men are dead due to the fall through Adam, making us sinners. Romans 12, 5 tells us. We are dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 1 says. We are children of disobedience, Ephesians 2 says. We are children of wrath, Ephesians 2, 3 says. That's a pretty dark description. The solution to the problem is the new birth in Christ. When we're born again, our spirit is made alive, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior through repentance that we're in fellowship with God. Now, instead of our body and our sin nature being uppermost, it's last. We get flopped around and our spirit is uppermost. Now, my spirit is subject to God. My emotions are in control by the word of God. Not my emotions, my feeling, my intellect. And my body becomes a temple of God. I don't live for my body anymore. My, my sin nature doesn't drive me. You understand? I don't have to be a slave to it. Our bodies now are the temple of God, submitting to the will of God to be transformed, a living sacrifice, Romans 12, 1 and 2. But notice when Paul is writing, he says, your spirit it's a plural pronoun implying more than Philemon, his family, and his household. Everybody there, his wife, his son, Aphia, Archippus, and the community of believers that were meeting in his house. The benediction is affirmed and confirmed by the word, Amen. The word amen is a most remarkable word. It was um, transliterated directly from the Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament, then into Latin and into English and many other languages, so that it is particularly and practically a universal term. Uh, 
It has been called the best known word in the human speech. In any culture you go, any language, you say amen. Everybody understands it. <laughs> it's an affirmation. Thus it came to mean sure, truly, an expression of absolute trust and confidence. The word at the end of a discourse, like here in Philemon, is like saying, so be it, or may it be fulfilled. This benediction. When we love a person, we express freely our desire for them to be blessed by God in every way. And we mean it. This was Paul's benediction. Christians are to know grace is opposed to law. The word became flesh and we dwelt and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 says. And in his fullness we have all received grace for grace. John 1.16. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John 1.17. The gospel is called the gospel of grace. Acts 20.24. The gospel is a gift of God opposed to any idea of works or merit to favor God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. The gospel was and is based on the work of Christ alone for all the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. A mystery hidden in the past among the Gentiles, Christ in them, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 26 and 27 says. Christians are to do all in relationship to grace. We are to be saved through grace. We are to stand in God's grace. We are to be given gifts according to God's grace. We are to abound in grace. We are to know the grace of God is sufficient for all things. We are to speak with grace. We are to be strong in grace. We are to grow in grace. We are to commend men and women to God's grace. And there are many other things in the scripture about grace. You see, Christians are to glorify God in their entire person by and through the grace of God. Paul puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us how it is possible. Listen. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joint and the marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. That's how we accomplish it, through the word of God. The provisions are given to all. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 2 Corinthians 13.14. And so the benediction of Paul to Philemon is just an outpouring of his love. That's all it is. Paul's come to the end of his letter with this personal closing farewell of his friends along with his own. Marked by the greeting from Paul's cell companion, Epaphras. The greeting 
from Paul's co-workers, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, and the benediction from Paul to Philemon. Pastor Xavier Reese, concluding our Simple Truths verse-by-verse study today with the heartfelt conclusion of Paul's letter to Philemon. Now, just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truths message titled Paul's Loving Goodbye are available for only $4 on CD. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Paul's Loving Goodbye. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 